Oops. I there we go. Good. Well, thank you, Alex. That was, the, that was great hope at the end of the problem of Christmas. And he had addressed the sin problem uh, that we have, the, the problem that Christ came. And I wanted to focus a little bit more on Christ as King and Victor. <clears throat> and Victor. So, good morning. My name is Matt. I'm one of the elders here at Bible, uh, Faith Bible Fellowship Church. I have about 15 minutes, uh, so let's get into it because uh, there's a lot of ground to cover. Uh, but this is part two. This is the promise of Christmas. So there's no thesis, no specific points on the screen this morning, just a prophecy and an explanation of some key phrases. Oh, there is a subtitle, though, to the message. The subtitle this morning is The Dragon, the Great King, and Ballerinas. Just let that, yes, I did, yes, Ballerinas, that was intentional. Christmas is that magical time of year that has an almost indescribable quality to it. I think that's why we call it the Christmas spirit. It's there and it's present, but we just can't quite put our finger on it. That's why we call it a spirit. It's almost as if Christmas is the celebration of the arrival of eternal joy. Almost everyone has an optimistic view of the future at this time of the year. Even New York City can't help it. If you watch the tree lighting this year, liberal politicians, liberal media people pushing that button to light the tree, and what did the choir start singing as soon as the tree was lit? Joy to the world. They can't help it. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. So this morning we're going to look at one of the passages that foretell the coming of the great King who brings eternal joy. We read from it this morning already. It's Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. So in the Bibles in the uh, seat in front of you, this would be page 573. I'm going to read this passage again. And then we're going to look at a few key points that this prophecy is pointing out for us. Isaiah 9, starting with verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, and they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle, tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government 
shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So going back, starting in, in verse 1 of chapter 9, it said, But there will be no gloom for her who, had, who was in anguish in the former time. He brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Isaiah is building up a frightening picture of darkness that will descend on Judah and the northern kingdom. The dragon and his forces are coming against Israel as God's judgment because of their worship of idols. The northern regions of Israel were the first to be taken into captivity, but God is promising the northern region of Israel will be the first to see the great king to be born of the line of David who would launch his worldwide kingdom from Galilee. The Galilee of the nations. Verse 2, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. This is the promise to def- of defeat for the enemies of the great king and salvation for his children. Verse 3, You have multiplied the nation You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. There is joy in feasting. That God is a God of joy and He is bringing plenteous. And they are glad. They divide the spoil. There is joy in victory and there is prosperity for those who follow this King. For the yoke of His burden and the staff of For his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. This is referencing the victory of Gideon over his enemies by God's miraculous power. That this victorious king is victorious and moving forward through history, conquering his enemies. The victory of the great king will be complete. Because in verse 5, it tells us, For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. All of the weapons of war, all of the garments that are soaked in blood, are gathered together and burned and set on fire because there's no need for them anymore. That Christ and Jesus is victorious and His victory is complete. That is miraculous, victorious language that excites us as we listen to it, as we read it, and as we hear it. So what will this great king be like? Surely he will come in great power to vanquish his enemies. The next verse tells us, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. A child was born. As Alex already shared this morning, Jesus came as a baby into a world that was ruled by pagans and in darkness 
And Jesus came as that light. And he would grow. And he would grow to the point, as it says in the next part of the verse, and the government would be upon his shoulders. Not just the Roman government. All governments throughout all time. He is the King of kings and Lord over lords of all governments over the whole world. So verse 6 then gives us a description of this king and it gives it to us in four different roles. And these are the words that we're very familiar with. We heard them already uh, read from Scripture. We sang them in our opening song. Wonderful Counselor, He is the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. So most of these we can understand. We can understand Wonderful Counselor, you know, somebody that gives great wisdom. We can understand Mighty God, and we can understand the Prince of Peace. But Everlasting Father? Isn't that position already filled by God the Father? How can Jesus be the Everlasting Father? Isaiah is contrasting this with the kings that Israel was familiar with during their day and contrasting that with Jesus when he would come as the perfect king. The contemporary kings of Judah were ill-advised and impotent in warfare. They neglected their role and left their children to be destroyed by idols, false gods, which are demons, cultural influences, which led to enslavement and death. They were failures as fathers to their people, and they didn't provide peace or joy or hope or feasting. That was Israel's experience under their kings. So why is the experience different for us at Christmas? Because Jesus came as the everlasting Father. The ESV Study Bible describes it this way, that a father here is a benevolent protector, which is the task of the ideal king and is also the way God himself cares for his people. This is not using the Trinitarian title Father for the Messiah, Rather, it is portraying him as a king, and not just any king, but the everlasting king, the great king, the king who brings joy and mirth and peace and who will one day destroy his enemies. Verse 7 continues, it says, Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Isaiah continues this language through the rest of his book. Chapter 42 in Isaiah, verse 13 says, The Lord goes out like a mighty man, like a man of war. He stirs up his zeal. He cries out. He shouts aloud. He shows himself mighty against his foes. Chapter 59 says, the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation and his righteousness upheld him. Verse 17 continues and says, he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds... So he will repay wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies. To the coastlands he will render repayment. 
So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind of the Lord drives. This was the great king that Israel longed for. This promised great king. So to those here this morning that don't know this king, it's our prayer that you have seen and heard that he is good and worthy to be worshipped as the king of all kings. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is the king of all kings and believe that God raised him from the dead and you can be saved. And to the ballerinas here this morning and everyone else, Jesus is the great king, the warrior king who was promised to come and defeat the dragon who is Satan. He comes as the great king and destroys his enemies and provides beauty and peace and joy and everlasting enjoyment. And part of that joy is singing and dancing for his glory. This is the time of year that many of us attend and participate in Christmas shows. Actually, several of the children in our church performed in the Nutcracker Suite, performed over at Central High School a few weeks ago. My wife and I and a few of our kids had the opportunity to attend the show, and I can tell you it was magical. But what happens before every show? The audience files in. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of laughter and joy. And then something happens to the house lights. The house lights dim. Everybody knows what that means. It's time to file to your seats and get ready for the show to begin. So they sit and they prepare for the show. And then there's this long pause before the curtain opens. The audience waits with anticipation. Backstage, there's excitement to share this amazing show with the audience. Ballerinas are running around backstage in their costumes, getting ready to perform. Months of preparation have come down to this long pause as you wait for the curtain to open. Our Heavenly Father is the greatest storyteller ever. And he has been revealing the greatest story ever told. Jesus was promised to be the great king who will slay the dragon and save his bride. And after the final prophet of God in the Old Testament, the ancient world waited. They waited for the curtains to be opened for 400 years. They waited for God to reveal their great king and God waited in excitement to send his beloved son at the appointed time. The long pause before the curtains open. Come back tonight and hear what happens when Jesus appears and the curtain is torn from top to bottom. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truths of your word this morning. We thank you for this promise the promise of your son that would come as the great king and destroy his enemies and conquer sin and death and save a people to himself. We thank you for those that are here this morning that are saved, that we are your children. We can come to you as father because Jesus, our brother, has won salvation for us. 
and saved us and brought us to yourself. For those that are not saved here this morning, Father, we pray that the words that were shared and spoken and preached and the songs that were sung reveal who you are in all of your beauty and all of your splendor and all of your power. Father, we thank you again for being a great God and a great Father who loves us and provides good gifts for us. We pray that you would continue to work in our lives through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would guide us into this week of Christmas with celebration and joy because Jesus is King. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.